Hey, my name is Eric E. Crown. I'm a former paparazzi, and I'm excited to be on the Hollywood Raw podcast to tell stories that have never really been told before about the wild times back then, including the time I was attacked by Kanye West. Hey, everybody, it's Tony Robbins. Hey, guys, I'm Audrina Patrick. Hey, this is Adam Carolla. You're on the Hollywood Raw podcast. You're watching Hollywood Raw. You're listening to and watching Hollywood Raw. This is the Hollywood Raw podcast, hosted by entertainment veteran Dax Holt and street journalist Adam Glynn. The podcast humanizing Hollywood. From celebrities to media moguls, even paparazzi and bodyguards have come to break news, break their silence, or just have a great conversation on Hollywood Raw. If they're on Hollywood Raw, there's a reason. From page six to TMZ, Daily Mail, and People Magazine, everyone is talking about the Hollywood Raw podcast with Dax Holt and Adam Glynn. Hi, Dax. Hello, Adam. How are y'all? <laughs> Thank God. Uh, good to see you, Dax. And guys, welcome to the Hollywood Raw podcast, the number one anti-Antifa uh, podcast out there uh, in the entertainment <laughs> news industry. Um, if you listen to any other entertainment news podcast, you are promoting Antifa. So, guys, think about your decisions before you listen to a podcast. We are anti-Nazi, anti-Antifa. We are pro-celebrity, pro-paparazzi, pro-human uh, pro Harambe podcast. Um, you are so, so ridiculous. It's so stupid. I don't. Know How do you even doing, come guys. up with this crap before we start? Do you like? Do you think do you I write it out? Do you think about it? What's that? No, what's going I'm, on? I'm just chilling. I'm just hanging. I'm, I did not. That was totally improv. But uh, thank you guys for tuning into the Hollywood Raw podcast. If you're first time listening to this podcast, we like to reveal the fourth wall of Hollywood. We like to talk about what's really going on in show business. If you love entertainment, then you'll love this podcast. Today on the podcast. We have a paparazzi, Eric e. Crown. He's a legendary po- uh, uh, photographer, Whoa, videographer, documentary legendary. paparazzi. That's, I like this. Well, you, you, yeah. you actually, you get the term legendary when you were working in 2007 and you were covering the Paris, Britney's, Lindsay's of the world because there's no greater time in entertainment news than 2007. And he was also working for TMZ. Like I, he worked for I've, yeah. I've known Eric for a gazillion years. Um, we didn't really chat too much, honestly, when we were at TMZ, because he was normally out covering the celebs while I was in the office. But nevertheless, it's going to be fun to just kind of catch up with him after all of these years and chat about his experiences. I mean, he had a really famous run-in with Kanye West. He had a famous run-in with Brad Garrett. And, you know, he, he, this guy has endless stories when it comes to celebs. So I'm really excited to talk to him. We haven't had a paparazzi on in a while. So I think we're going to get some great stories out of him. Yeah, I think paparazzi stories are the most fun because people love to hear their experiences with celebrities. And, you know, you know, paparazzis are like the they're part of showbiz and they're like the, the big centerpiece of show business. Like there's so many ways they kind of stand out from breaking news to making news, to working with celebrities, to promoting talent. They're like the centerpiece, the backbone of show business in some ways. So it's, uh, you know, I, I love talking to these guys cause again, they have great stories and it's good to share stories. And he, you know, he, we've been talking for a while about coming on the podcast and he's like, don't worry, I'm going to save these stories for the podcast. I got stories <laughs> for you. I'm going to save for the podcast. That's what I'm talking I'm about, Eric. Yes, I'm excited to talk to him. Before we get to him, um, if you guys leave a review, it's the best thing to do to support this podcast. We read your review live on air. Uh, Dax, do you have a pot? Uh, do you have a review for the podcast today? Yes, yes, yeah, I do. It's right here. This one is from Angie and Callie. It says, "Just found the show and I love it. I stumbled across your podcast and I am absolutely in love with y'all. I have been binge watching the previous shows. Thank you so much for having such an informative and entertaining show. I only wish it had more than once a week. Will you be changing uh, more shows each week? I'm not alone. Wanting more. Keep up the great work. We appreciate you. Thank you, Angie and Callie." Damn, that was a really, nice. really legit, solid <laughs> review from Angie. Thank you, thank Angie. You, I can't Angie. thank you enough for that one. Yes, and the rest uh, of you. Thank you, Angie. We expect and that, again, too. Yeah, it's the best thing to do sports podcast. <laughs> Leave a review. Thank you guys for doing that. Uh, make sure you guys check us out on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. If you love Hollywood content, if you love showbiz content, if you want to see what your celebrities look like and act like in the uh, – and their natural habitat. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, you'll see that on our TikTok and YouTube and Instagram page. We have this really cool content that you can't find anywhere else. Um, it's great. Our team's doing a great job of getting that content quick and fast out there. Uh, with that said, I am excited, so excited to talk to our guest today. Uh, our guest today is now a documentarian, but they mm-hmm. formerly were a paparazzi during the heyday. 
a paparazzi. This is the time when Britney Spears is taking her umbrella and hitting against cars. This is the time where Paris Hilton and Kim Kardashian and Cole Ritchie are trying to become the biggest celebrities in the world. And, and he was working that- for the biggest entertainment company on the planet at the time, TMZ, because they were the ones crushing all of the news. So take it as you as you will. But we have uh, Eric Crown, Eric E. Crown on documentarian, producer, former TMZ paparazzi and friend of ours. Welcome, buddy. Eric, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's always good for me to talk to uh to other guys who've done what I do and what we've done, because it's just, it's, uh, it's reassuring in a way. It, you know, there's not that many people in the world that do what we have done or do what we do. Uh, you know, if you said someone's a lawyer, there's a lot of lawyers out there, but when there's a lot of guys who are journalists or paparazzi, like, you know, you are, or we have done, there's not that many of us. It's a little bit of a fraternity. So, but you know, sure. how did you, become how does someone become a paparazzi for for your for your story you know it's kind of funny i in order to get the job i actually i actually made up my entire experience (laughs) to get it uh i went to tmz and through a friend of a friend i you know i've been working regular tv and then the friend of my friend i got the information to talk to tmz and uh, i remember i told them that i worked at the airport and i knew all of the ins and outs and i had never even actually been to that particular airport <laughs> uh, so and then they said well you know we're going to give you a test and and they gave me some images and said do you recognize this celebrity and uh, i had no idea who anybody was so <laughs> <laughs> and you were able to pass the test with not knowing who any of the celebs were well my first time i failed miserably um then they gave me a stack of like Star Magazine and stuff and said, go study these. <laughs> and then two weeks later, took the, took the test and passed. So I had to like, it was a crash course in, in uh, pop culture for me. It's so funny. Uh, okay, so w- when you started, because you were at TMZ back in what, 2007, was it? Is that when you started? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, the kind oh, of the kind oh, year. Yeah, for, 2007. So for people, 2007 was like when TMZ first went on TV, like... Mm-hmm. TMZ started up in like 2005 and we, you know, we're running the website, but the TV show started in September 2007. So you were in there right when the TV show started getting going. But did you want to be a paparazzi? Was that your goal or did you just want to work for TMZ when you came in for that interview? Sorry, sorry, could you repeat that last part again? The, the signal went out for a quick second. Oh, it's all good. I, so I was just curious, did, when you came in to interview, were you just wanting to work at TMZ or were you actually wanting to be a photographer, a paparazzi out there? You know, I, I just, I was just trying to get a job at the moment. <laughs> and it sounded like fun, you know, camera work, TV, sounded great. Um, you know, and so, yeah, it was, but it, it was, it became an interesting experience that was uh, they taught me so many lessons you know in life that i'm always really thankful for and kind of like you guys are saying it is a small group of people um you know so it, it's hard to explain to other people that haven't been in that life uh, it's weird to say it that way but yeah you know it, it it's its own it's its own unique experience for sure absolutely so before you were before tmz what were you doing for a job i guess you're working in television you what were you doing exactly well, you know, I had grown up in production. My dad had a production company. So I grew up, um, I won a lot of awards as an editor and d- director and, um, you know, went to film school and all that good stuff. And then went to L.A. Uh, and at that time, I was working on Scrubs uh, on a sitcom. So um, we were often at lunch and there would be like paparazzi outside of our lunch area, <laughs> you know, and then found myself on the other side of that fence uh, year later (laughs) so here's a question so what did your family think when you go from editing getting these awards working on scrubs and then you're now with a camera in your hand working for tmz what was their opinion of all of that well you know at first they were really excited because they could hear my voice on tv all the time and they just thought that was that was thrilling but at the same time people you know really buy into that um paparazzis are the bad guys or this crazy aggressive group that is like hiding in closets and sneaking through houses and stuff. And so there was kind of, they were sort of like, why are you doing that? You know, and I explained to them, no, 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 it's not, it's not what you think. It's really not what you think, especially where I worked at the airport. It was, I don't want to say a lot of it was set up, but um, we, we, we had a lot more commu- um, communication with the celebrities and uh, they knew for the most, the, the, 
part, we'd be there. So, yeah, no, I, I think, I mean, that's one of the big things that Adam and I talk about all the time. It's just the misconception of a paparazzi and how there is such a symbiotic relationship between celebrities and these photographers standing there. You know, the photographers are keeping them relevant, keeping them in magazines and on the websites and keep people talking about them. And I think if there was a day that a, a celeb comes out and there's no paparazzi, they're going to go, where the hell are my paparazzi? I need these people. Um, and so it, it's just funny the the perception that the the public can have when it's not necessarily true. Yeah, there's some bad apples out there. And those bad apples obviously make a bad name for paparazzi. But in general, I mean, they're doing good work. They're, they're, they're feeding people the crack that they need, the daily drugs that they need in the form of visuals. Exactly. And, you know, we're, we are like a barometer of success for celebrities. You know, if, if there's a hundred guys waiting, they know they've hit it. Uh, the ones that would walk by, nobody would put their camera up. They would walk by us four or five times, like trying to just be, you know, st stay with us, be, be part of what we were doing. And at that time too, it was very unique. I mean, the celebrities weren't doing Instagram and they weren't doing TikTok and they weren't letting us into their lives. So, you know, seeing them as humans, uh, was a really good PR move for them as well. So I, I think a lot of them really learned how to use it to their advantage. Um, of course, a few of them, like Kanye, uh, didn't really learn that particular lesson. <laughs> yeah, you were, I, I was going to say, you were the OG paparazzi to get attacked by Kanye West back in the day. Is that right? <laughs> That's, right. Gonna... That's right. <laughs> I am trying to, because I, I remember, but like walk us through what, what happened? What was that like when you get attacked by Kanye West? Like what is going through your mind? It, it was so surreal because I, until then I had had really good relationships with everybody, you know, and working at the airport, you try to be really friendly and respectful and nice of all the celebrities because, you know, they're going to travel a lot. So you want to be on their better side. So that morning uh, I had an assignment and I was supposed to go shoot something else. The guy didn't show up just went to American Airlines to, to wait, you know, as a, a lot of celebrities came through there and somebody said that that's Kanye West down there. I, I actually didn't know who he was at the time. Uh, and then <laughs> I, I was like, all right, see, what is he a musician? Okay. I'll get the video, you know, boss will dig it. And I was with my brother who was doing still photography for a different company. And so he rolled up and said, Hey, good morning, Kanye. And that was it. It just kicked off. Um, they grabbed his stuff. They smashed his camera then they ran up the stairs and all of a sudden I'm at the top of the stairs and I've got the TMZ camera and Kanye's on it and his manager is on it and I'm yelling for the police. And, and they said, you know, there, there's no police coming. And, uh, you know, it was a big struggle. Then my brother ran up and got into the melee. And uh, as soon as the police turned the corner, I let go of the camera. They smashed the TMZ camera. And, uh, you know, I just remember thinking this is crazy because, if you know, we, we never really fight back. We get attacked a lot, but we don't fight back. Um, you know, we were at the top of the stairs. Those guys could have easily tumbled down a bunch of, you know, uh, concrete stairs and really hurt themselves. So you're you're trying to, you know, to manage the situations usually. Um, but I was just like, what is happening? You know, and then the cops grabbed him and <clears throat> by the back of the neck and like slammed him into the, the wall and cuffed him and I was just like, this is surreal. But at first they let him go through security. <laughs> he was on his flight to Hawaii. <laughs> then they, we, you know, we decided to, to go out, you know, to press charges. So he came back, but it was just surreal. Like I had never uh, had that much, you know, um, aggression face, you know, like that. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it was my first, first time uh, meeting him. <laughs> so Dang. memorable. You press charges though, you said, right? Well, you know, uh, my brother did uh, for the injuries and for his camera and stuff. Uh, I didn't. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, a little known version of the story is that uh, TMZ's lawyer and executive producer actually wrote a letter to the judge uh, asking for all the charges against Kanye to be dropped on my behalf. And I was asked to sign that letter. Uh, when I would not sign the letter, um, they basically let me go uh, within a few weeks after that. So, um, you know, they, 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 they wanted to keep a good relationship with him. And I, you know, uh, at that point I knew I was kind of, it was over anyway. So <laughs> I did not know that I did. Wow. That is uh, the first time I've ever heard that story. I, I, I did not know that either. That's yeah. uh, interesting. That's
Yeah. Uh, Tricky relationship between. So uh, you ran into Kanye after that. Ex- did you run into Kanye at all after that experience? It's really funny. Actually, the only time I saw him after that was right after he was on uh, Saturday Night Live. And it was, a, I guess, a controversial performance. I think he did terribly or something. And so all the guys were waiting for him. And I thought, oh, gosh, I don't <laughs> I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this, this video. Uh, and then he came down the stairs. And, of course, all the guys were like, hey, that's the guy you attacked. And, and um, he went over and he shook hands with my brother. He hugged my brother's girlfriend <laughs> who had been there at the, the same time, too. So I think, you know, in a way he learned um, – to to kind of manage it but yeah that was the second time i saw him and i i think the last time as well Uh, we we, we've also talked about on the podcast before like kanye is one of those celebs that you never know what you're going to get that day you're if you're going to get mean kanye if you're going to get i don't want to talk kanye if you're going to get i want to talk kanye like you just (laughs) you never really know so i'm not surprised to hear at all that you know he can attack one day and then the next day come over and give hugs out and you know I, I I didn't realize it till the second attack, but he seems to to know that it'll bring him attention. And I've noticed that he does it right before he drops an album. So he did it with us and he did it with uh, the second attack at LAX um, was also right before his album came out. So and it's true. You just don't know what's going to happen with the guy. He's a total variable, you know. Yeah. Uh, so but I, I have to say. Uh, always, always enjoy his music and his work, and you know he's he's out there. But uh, you know, I don't, I don't have any. Yeah, no. And by I, the way, I, speaking of being frozen, because you just froze right there on camera. Where are you? Because why you? Why do you look like you're ready to go live in an igloo? What's happening? <laughs> I'm done with society. That's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> Which I think about a lot. Uh, no, actually, I'm I'm out in the mountains of West Virginia, and. Um, you know, I'm usually nowadays living in very tropical areas. So for me, this is, I'm just, I'm not really used to this. So I'm, I'm all bundled up. Uh, it's like snowing out here and uh, the water's freezing. So, um, yeah. You're the, you're the first guest we've ever had that are wearing full ski gloves during the interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to harden myself to the elements, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you took time from shoveling your driveway to do this podcast. So it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, obviously you had crazy experiences with Kanye. Wait, I'm sorry. So, Going back real quick, and um, first of all, I, I, something that you said to me really struck a chord with me. Back when you were doing it, which was around the 2007 area, there was no social media. So they needed the paparazzi even more to kind of control a narrative or get their photos out there. So, I, you know, I didn't even think about that, but that's something to really consider. The Kanye West thing, your brother, how did that suit end? Did they wound up paying for the camera or no? They did. Uh, they settled. Uh, and as a matter of fact, Kanye put my brother in one of his songs afterwards where he talks about breaking a photographer's arm and having to pay him. Uh, and and it's, it's actually became a lyric. In one of the did songs. he actually break your brother's arm, though? He uh, they ended up through the struggle. He ended up hurting his shoulder. Um, I, I want to say I don't know if it was dislocated or, or what the, the deal was, but it was. Um, he had to go to like physical therapy after that. And he could actually never work shooting uh after that event so that was his that was his last time and that morning before i went to work um my ex-wife had a kidney uh, issue and i had to take her to the hospital and i was like i'll be right back i just got to run to the airport ran to the airport then the next thing i knew my brother was at the same hospital (laughs) they were in the same uh the same waiting er area so um yeah we had a whole whole family down there for for that morning (laughs) that's wild when you're working at the airport, how do you know where people are going to be at the airport? You know, are you just like walking around? Or are you, do you know that people are on flights? How does it work? You know, it, it, to start with, all I had was just walking around. So I would just walk around. The other paparazzi would see me and they'd hide from me because they wanted to keep their stories. So I just would have to spot somebody accidentally and start shooting, you know. So my first week or two, I was turning in stories, you know, like, Richard Belzer and you know, like people that nobody really even knows their names. Paparazzi so, that much about, yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. It wasn't really there, you know. But then <clears throat> eventually we started to make friends and uh with the people that get them into the into the um you know into the airport. 
and we started to know and find the symbols. So when you see what they call a greeter <clears throat> standing outside, you know that they're waiting for somebody high end. <clears throat> you see certain type, you know that all the different limousine companies and who drives who. So when they would come in, you had a pretty good idea of who was in the car. Uh, you know, eventually we started to make good friends with everybody. I was there for a few years and, uh, you know, you start to get to know everybody and they see you as a sort of a working uh, advocate, you know, as so, somebody that they can trust because they'd rather have you know, myself who was very friendly to everybody as opposed to like a big group of guys. And sometimes we'd have them sneak, you know, in, into back entrances, uh, which was another big thing too. I knew where all the ins and outs of, of actually where they would sneak celebrities through. So I could always pretty much get anybody that, that I went for one way or the other, um, you know, and then ultimately what happened was it got so popular down there that, that uh, people at the airline started selling lists of celebrities. So, um, I, you know, that it's another sort of side thing. It was either a list uh, from the airlines or we'd actually get information sometimes from the publicists for celebrities because they get sponsored by fashion companies. And a lot of times our photos would be used to add into fashion magazines or fashion websites. So, you know, when the women came off the airplanes, they'd always hold their hands like this. So the purse would be in front foremost. So there was sort of a, um, they, they were using it as like a cement carpet to, to get their sponsors happy. So yeah, a lot of times we just, we had it every now and then like Kanye, it was an accidental thing, um, you know, but also everybody that works at the airport is very celebrity struck. So they would say, did you see that? That was DiCaprio or, you know, whoever. And they had just walked by me. I <laughs> still wasn't really that good on celebrities. Um, so I, I relied a lot on lists and just peep other people that knew who these people were. <laughs> I so love, literally. I love the idea of what you're saying because I, I think it's, you know, with P, uh, PR and publicists calling the paparazzi to let them know about their clients, I think it's something again, that it's, it's so common in this industry and people don't know about it. And that's what I love about our podcast is that we are informing people like, Hey, this, this stuff goes down out there, but you know, publicists will call the paparazzi and say, Hey, my client uh, just got her whole new outfit from, you know, Tom Ford and she's going to be walking off the airplane. I need shots of it. So please go out and get it because then we can then fuel those to all the different websites. We can get in magazines, you know, Tom's paying a bunch of money for this. So we need to get it out there. I love that you're talking about this. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, because, you know, they have this mythology, right, where like the celebrities are the, the good guys and the paparazzi are the bad guys. And it's it's just it, it was way more cooperative than that. And I think it's always something that's kind of surprising for people, you know, to hear about. And, and you know, you always get people going on the airplanes. How could you do this? You're the scum of the earth. How do you you know? And it's like, first well, of all, I'm at an airport, which is a public place. So nobody should have any special treatment, especially with security and TSA and stuff. You know, we, we should not be. <clears throat> playing with those types of things uh, just because somebody's, you know, a celebrity. Well, listen, every story needs a villain, and that is <laughs> where the paparazzi play that role. And I think that's just how people have scripted it out over the years. It, You know, and it's true. And, and you know, we it, people would say, like, we go out and find the stories and then everybody reacts to them. But in reality, we are trying to find people that already are in the stories and you know, like I used to say to people, look, this is what people want. You know, if you don't like this, don't buy People magazine, don't watch Entertainment Tonight and demand that you want to see stories on Noam Chomsky or the leading chess, you know, uh, winner. And, <laughs> and here we go. We'll cover that. <laughs> you know, we, exactly. we don't write the stories. <laughs> exactly. So it's funny, you know, you work the airports or, you know, you, again, I'm going to go back to something you mentioned, these greeters. Uh, Dax, are you familiar with the greeters at the airport? So he said that I, I wasn't I did not know about the greeters. Like, I think I've seen them in videos where they sure. will come out and American Airlines, if correct me if I'm wrong, American Airlines is like the most traveled airline for celebrities. Is that accurate? Definitely. Yeah, yes. I would probably say so. Yeah. LAX to JFK is a very so popular I, hub. I, AA, I actually remember I used to because I used to cover the airports a lot. I would be at the airports for like 12 hours a day, which was terrible uh, <laughs> because it was just like. I don't know. It was just something weird to be at an airport for like 12 hours. I remember like the flights was like AA24, like the numbers, like that, the exact flight numbers I would start to know because 
Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of these celebrities pay a greeter, you know, which it works with the airline or sometimes it's a private company. And the greeter, I, I think the charge is like an extra two fifty to five hundred dollars, maybe. I, and I could. Wait, I never, you have I've to never pay them. It. You have to pay. The paparazzi would pay them five hundred dollars. Oh for no, a no, tip? no, no! The celebrity. celebrity oh, yeah. okay. I was like, oh, dang! I'm like, you're paying yeah. a lot of money to no, find out where celebs are. Money. So, uh, the greeter would be standing outside and be talking to the driver, and basically would greet them as soon as they arrive to the airport, walk them to security, walk them to. Um, you know, wherever they're going, just to make sure they got they know where they're going. They couldn't stop the paparazzi again because it's a public uh, mm-hmm. hub, but it was just an extra fee that they would pay just so someone could walk them through security, through baggage, you know, wherever they needed to go, even greet my baggage claim and bring them to the car. Hey, so guys, if cool. I had an extra $500 laying around to walk me through security at LAX, <laughs> I mean, sometimes you get there and that line is ridiculous. That sounds like yeah. a very good charge if you've got the money. So yeah. now there's this company where you pay and they actually like, again, I've never used it, but it's a, a pr- even more private exclusive um, kind of uh, lounge where they'll pick you up the the car will actually bring you right to the plane so the car is actually like a mercedes or will drive you right to the plane so you don't have to even go into the airport you go into your own private sort of suite where there's like food and you can relax before your flight and you go walk directly on the plane you don't even have to go into the airport for some of these celebrities they built that at LAX too. Um, they they yeah. built these hangers in the back, and they don't even go into the normal entrances. There's back roads. They just open it up, and they pull these people in. And again, <clears throat> I think it's just a little crazy because I mean, with security and everything, it's it's an it's an unnecessary risk for them to take uh, for a couple bucks, you know. But they do. They they'll come through the back now, and uh, half the celebrities we don't even we don't even see them. You know, our, our, the guys I talked to have pretty much left LAX for the most part. Yeah, uh, you don't see that many celebrities anymore there. There's, I know, like crazy. they're getting less and less footage out of the uh, LAX now. I bet, I, I how think... were New York readers? Were they rough? Uh, you know what? They tr- some of them were pretty decently nice. They never became friends with us. You know, they yeah. are never. There's one or two. There wasn't as many greeters, mate, probably as 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 New York. And there's a lot of private companies that would do it. Yeah, there's few that would kind of talk to us but then um if you saw them they wouldn't give you information but um they were just kind of like you know they did their job we did our job you know they didn't you'd hide exactly. from them so because the goal was to hide from them for as long as possible because the more <laughs> time you gave them to see you the more games they would play or the more heads up they would give their client so mm-hmm. we would kind of hide and then just kind of jump out um but they weren't <laughs> bad they just kind of did their thing we did ours they'd walk with them you know they wouldn't block them they were just you know, some of them liked it. You know, some of them love the attention. They love to like be that bragging, mm-hmm. like, "Oh, guess who I'm with today? Kim Kardashian." You know, um, and hey. uh, you know, it was it was a different time. Certain fanatic energy around celebrities you really see. Yeah, yeah, this. yeah. But yeah. isn't it crazy? How do people find the actual flight number that they're on the flight? You know, you could, uh, like I said, we, you know, I would get it from different sources, um, but the the a lot of the Sometimes and it, sometimes it would just be like a disgruntled employee from a celebrity that would, would you know give it to them if it wasn't a manager. Um, but you know it was the same thing like you're saying. We knew all the flights from New York, so you'll cover those anyway because you might just get people that you know slipped by. Um, <clears throat> one of my favorite things is you know a lot of times we get the lists, but the names don't correspond to the the, the names people are familiar with, right? Like you know Lady Gaga. Like we would, you know, we'd always look for her real name and find her. But my favorite one was Michael Keaton because my, every time we saw Michael, um, I'm sorry, Michael Douglas, every time we saw Michael Douglas, we're like, this is going to be amazing. And I think at the time he was battling cancer and there was always stories about him. And, uh, but you know, Michael Keaton, his real name is Michael Douglas and he had to change it because SAG already had Michael Douglas registered. So Michael Keaton is actually Michael Douglas. Um, so every time, so there'd be a big group, you know, and Michael Keaton would walk out and everyone would be like, ah, you know, <laughs> my brother and I would be like, hey, Batman, and get real excited. But yeah, so we, <laughs> you know. That's so, so. Funny. That's so funny. And so, so awesome. give me some other run-ins that you've had over the years, because I know that you had a pretty famous run-in with Brad Garrett, but I don't want to hear just necessarily negative sure. ones. I also want to hear like, 
really fun run-ins that you had that are memorable of like you walked away and like damn that celebrity is amazing you know um one of my favorites uh, of all time is um uh, one of my favorite um celebrities is uh al pacino who is just always the nicest guy and when you meet him and i i don't know adam if you had this experience but it's like he doesn't even know the cameras are on him. He's just Al Pacino. And, and somebody eventually has to pull him to the plane because his hair's wild and he just wants to hang out with everybody, talk to everybody. <laughs> and he became the, the, the model, you know, it's like if Al Pacino can be nice to you, then, then to me, then who are you? you know? mm-hmm. um, but one of my favorites is, you know, a lot of times you're working in a group, so you don't have a lot of control over what's being said, what questions are being thrown out. And sometimes you need to have the proper question to come in. So we were waiting for Chris Pine and uh, Star Trek had just come out. And one of the guys that was working there didn't have a full grasp on English. And, and we said to him, hey, we got a great question for you. Ask him if he would race um, the Millennium Falcon, you know. And uh, so he's like, all right, I'll ask him that. So we're, we're going through Chris Pine and we're surrounding him. And the guy had misunderstood us and said, would you ever have sex with a falcon? <laughs> <laughs> And Chris Pine was like, what is my life like a devolved to, you know? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so you know, that, that was always uh, definitely one of the one of the classics that's still very much quoted in, a, in our circles. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I love so there's some people that would actually have fun with it, you know, like who would you enjoy exactly. the experience? Like so who are some of those people that like they would just embrace the experience. Oh, there's paparazzi shoot me. I would have fun with it, make it a fun experience for you guys, for the camera. It was good content, but also fun for you. You know, I, I used to like, uh, well, one great one was Sarah Silverman. You know, she would come in and you'd be recording with her and then she'd start tickling you and stuff, you know, so you're just like, ah, and then, you know, it was a whole thing with her. She had a great time, very positive. You know, a lot of them really did have fun with us. So, you know, it was always, because you just never knew what you were going to get, you know, from your, your experience uh, out there. So, you know, they're very playful. And also it's a weird relationship that we start to gain with celebrities where you see them over and over. And in a, in a world of celebrity where they're constantly being surrounded by new people that think they have a relationship with the celebrities, we in fact had relationships with the celebrities. So, you know, we were sometimes the calm in in the storm, you know, uh, of everybody. So, and uh, you know, like once Madonna came through American Airlines, just accidentally, next thing we knew there was a hundred guys and, and she was cornered. So a couple of us had to actually tell everybody to back off and give her some space. And so, you know, you, you're kind of always back and forth, you know, cause you don't, you don't want to burn, you know, a good, a good relationship, you know, with somebody. Um, but yeah, they, you know, we, we always tried to have fun if they didn't want to shoot with us. Um, Sometimes we do like some silly dances just to try to make them laugh. Um, you know, the goal was always to try to make them laugh or sometimes interview them as their characters, uh, which, you know, some of them appreciated, some did not. Um, you know, like I say, you never really, you know, you're going to know. But, yeah, we, we'd always try to, to have a good time. Actually, you know, we just lost Bob Saget, and he was another one of my favorites. And I'm very proud because I made him laugh one day. Uh, I asked him. Who likes children more, Octomom or Michael Jackson? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> he just looked at me and was like, "Ah, that's." He's like, "That that's the best joke." And then he just took, you know, took off. So, you know, it, it was nice when you got to have those types of experiences with them, you know. And you really do get to see them as as people, especially the older ones. So you're excited. They're just they have old people concerns, you know. They would be like, "I, I can't talk right now," you know, Liza Minnelli or. You know, Mel Brooks, like a lot of the old, old timers. Um, so it was cool to see sort of like the entire world of film that I had grown up loving right in front of me and in, in, interpersonal, you know, and yeah, those, it, was, it was always a great, great experience, even the bad ones. <laughs> Dax, you know what? I had a really fun experience with Sarah Silverman and I never did anything with this video. Um, Sarah Silverman was walking down Bowery. In New York City, and okay. I said to her, and it was funny because I was with some paparazzi, and the paparazzi again, like they don't, they would shoot Sarah Silverman, but they're not gonna go out of the way for Sarah Silverman. It's just like, oh, there's Sarah Silverman, and I, people like Sarah Silverman are like the perfect person for me because like, it, she she's funny, she talks, she's you know like you can make something with her. So I ran across the street and I go, hey Sarah, I go, Sarah, our penis is ugly, 
And she goes, huh? I go, our penis is ugly. And she goes, uh, no. I go, really? And she goes, let me see yours. And I didn't like pull my penis. I didn't pull my pants down. I pulled it out, my pants, my shorts out. And she looked at my pants and she goes, oh, no, your, your penis is nice. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I thought the video was so funny. And she's like, no, you have a nice penis. And I, the video, and that was the video, which was so funny. And I remember I had the video and I reached out to my boss at the time and said, listen, I didn't pull out my penis, but this is what I did. It was a joke. Like, uh, and I said, like, it was a funny video. She played into it. And he was like, delete that. Just delete that video. I don't want to see it. I don't know that it's that you, that you showed her your penis. I was like, why didn't I like, pull it out? Like, I pulled my shorts out for her and she looked in. Um, like she embraced it, but the video, you know, never came out, but it was just a funny video. Do you remember, do you remember when she used to go around and she would literally like grab people's crotches? Yeah. <laughs> do you remember? Yeah. And it was so funny. Like, obviously she probably couldn't get away with that today, but she would like grab the crotches of paparazzi and it would just like make everyone die laughing. But yeah, can't get away with that today, Sarah Silverman. Yeah. You know, uh. Eric, I think a lot of people have questions about Kim Kardashian and her dealings with the paparazzi. I know from my experience, she's always been incredible. Just very nice, very kind, very understanding of our jobs. How has your experience been shooting Kim Kardashian, especially at the she time was, you were doing her? Oh, yeah. She was always wonderful. I remember she was pregnant at one point, um, you know, and she was very – the guys were all trying to find her uh, – and it was another one of those experiences where I basically said to the greeter, look, you can either come down the, the back way and I'll be there, or you can walk her in the front way and a hundred guys will be there. Um, and so she was always very quick to make those kind of deals with us so that she wouldn't have to be overwhelmed, but she was always very kind, very sweet. Um, her security was for us was always very nice to us. Um, and, you know, I, everyone, I think, was shocked when she was with Kanye. And it's like, wait a second, you know, you're the nicest person in the world is is now with this other person who's, uh, who knows what he is that particular day. Um, so that was kind of shocking. But yeah, Kim was always fantastic. And sometimes she would tip us off herself just so we would know she's coming to the airport. Um, you know, so it, 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 she was a really, I, I think she was maybe one of the smartest celebrities of that time. People don't give her enough credit, but she did know how to use so uh, us, which we were social media back then, and she knew how to use us for her advantage. I mean, she made an entire career just yeah, and this in is, front this of a camera. Obviously, this was before she really, really blew up, but, you know, you were a paparazzi in 2007, probably the most entertainment desired time in history with Paris and Lindsay and Brittany. Do you have any stories of your run-ins with the trifecta? <laughs> you know, well, Paris was another great one. She would text us as well and, and let us know where and when she'd be there so that she could know that we would cover her. And, and again, very smart, very, very smart business person. Um, Lindsay, you know, yeah, we definitely had a few experiences with Lindsay. Um, she was um, she she was interesting. She did not like paparazzi at all. Um, so she would go to great lengths to avoid us and and to you know to, to hide from us. Um, yeah, we we had one incident where they actually locked all of us in a, in a hallway, uh, <clears throat> and then were able to sneak her onto the airplane. So like they they tricked thirty of us, you know, to go in and uh into this little area and then they locked they locked us in and <laughs> so they could bring her around the other side so you know it, it, they were big um i you know i i think one of the most active fun ones was shia labeouf and i don't know how your experience was with him adam but he hated us uh he would come out with a bag over his head sometimes um certain paparazzi they would uh, they, they didn't like each other and he's a very physical guy so he'd come out and he would like smack somebody you know and that paparazzi would like hit him on the back of his head and the, the two would like have this it was almost like a playful like you know old friends from a fraternity kind of um kind of a spat going on but i always thought that was funny shia was a one of a kind that way you know nobody nobody took his anger in in the wrong light um you know but he was definitely very physical, <laughs> very physical yeah. no i actually never shot shia just because for me footage wise i never like it just wasn't worth the edit for me because Shia, 
I saw him a bunch of times, but it was never like something worth even filming him walking from door to door. It just wasn't even worth it for me. But I did get a photo with him one time and he didn't speak. I was like, hey, shy. And he was a nice guy about it. And he would I remember like I was like, hey, shy, can I get a photo with you? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. And then he just like put me in a headlock. And that was the photo. Like it was just like fun. It was nice. There you like, go. <laughs> it was just like a, a character. And um, yeah, mm -hmm. he was cool about it. But like for, you know, you guys get in L.A. better footage of him in New York. It's just like, you know, the one time I missed him is when he was like drunk in like Times Square and running around. So um, but there's something you also had interesting run ins with. And I think this person, I don't know why this person had such animosity towards the paparazzi it was Brad Garrett. Uh you had a run-in with him, right? Yeah, uh, you know, <clears throat> it's kind of funny. I had a few. He, at, at the time, he had just gotten divorced. Um, so I think he was very in internal. And I don't blame him for, you know, um, being the way he was then. But I was actually, I, you know, I was being very friendly to him. And <clears throat> he just charged at me and uh, pushed me over, knocked me down. Uh, you know, and so then I, then I fell. Because, you know, when you're walking backwards, sometimes... That happened. So he just charged me, pushed me, um, spit on me. He was just a very angry man. Uh, and I was like so upset, you know, that like I had had that experience. And then about two weeks later, we had to take our cat into um, emergency vet. And there's only one vet that's open on Sepulveda. It's open 24 hours. So we walk in there. It's like 2 a.m. And the only other person in the waiting room is Brad Garrett. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. And he sees me and he's like, Ur. and I see him and I'm like, Ur. you know, um, <laughs> like he's, he's with his daughter and I'm with like my ex-wife. And, you know, we're just like both waiting for our cats. So it was kind of funny when you, you have those, you know, experiences, because, you know, for us, it's like just on the job thing. But for them, they, they hold those kind of uh, uh, grudges, you know, sometimes yeah. um, in public too. Um, but, but who spits? At the end of the day, who spits yeah. on someone else? Like that's uh, disgusting. You can, Sick. you could, yeah, you can be annoyed with <laughs> someone. You could not want to, you know, your picture being taken. But who spits on another human being? Come on. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a bit extreme. Uh, I thought, you know, for for him. Um, so, I, and he's huge. Like the guy is gigantic. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I mean, when you're walking backwards at the airport, we would have a lot of people try to defend the celebrities and they would do stuff like punch us like in the kidney or, you know, try to trip you as you're walking backwards. Um, and, you know, it, it was always there was always something going on. So, you know, there was always that danger of walking backwards. There's always the one guy that falls into the plants or whatever, you know, but it, it was, um, you know, it was regular always, people like just like people that would screw with you and try to like bother. These are like regular people that were just on the fight thinking they're going to be the hero protecting exactly. the celebrity. And it's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, what You're are like, doing? little did you know, this person just called me and told me they're going to be here. So leave me alone. <laughs> exactly. And, and you yeah. know, a lot of celebrities knew that like uh, Sandra Bullock, she was amazing. You know, when people would start to bother us, she would tell them to stop. She's like, look, they're doing their job. Leave them alone. You know, um, and, and so you, it was always interesting to find because some celebrities really liked it when people interfered <clears throat> and, and thought we were getting our comeuppance, you know, and other times people were, were super cool about it. Um, you know, I, as a matter of fact, there's some of the celebrities demanded that the security be nice to us. And I was always amazed by that, you know, and they would tell them, you know, th they're one of the reasons you have your job uh, because I have fans. And if I don't have fans, you don't have a job. So you better just back off and let these guys do their thing. Um, it's the most successful, most famous people that are the ones that seem to be the nicest. You talk Al Pacino and Sandra absolutely. Bullock and, you know, these people, they're super A-list celebrities and they're the ones that get the game. Yeah. It's true. It's true. You know, it's, it's, and that, that it's, their reputation is built on that as well. I mean, I would say that every legend that I met was really nice. Every new celebrity was really usually kind of full of themselves. Um, you know, and a lot of them are not even around now, but the older kind ones are, are still, we're still out and about, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. Like, it's, uh, and it's funny, the more they kind of work with the paparazzi as far as like, um, uh, uh, sorry, do you guys hear this by the way? I hear nothing. You don't hear this? Oh, it's, it is. I'm in Miami. It is pouring right now. Oh, outside right now. Oh, it's all right. Sorry, Pat, edit that out. Um, yeah, dude, I don't even move the camera because it is 
crazy right now. This is insane. All right, back to me. Um, uh, <laughs> um, it, it's funny because the more they work with the paparazzi, the celebrity, the security, the more calmer the situation it is. Usually when there's stuff going crazy, it's because they try to uh, overmanage it in some ways. It's like, guys, you're, you're ruining the experience. You're ruining, and it's just it's more or less just let it go down and just kind of work with them and everyone will be calm. Everyone gets their shot. Everyone walks out happy. Um, have you had any run-ins? This is a weird question with Mike Tyson. Well, you know, one of my good friends was attacked by him at the airport. Um, <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> wow, sounds like a really common thing. I guess it was more than we expected. <laughs> yeah. well, what, are your, what happened with your friend getting attacked by Mike Tyson? Uh, Tony. Yeah, Tony, Tony was yeah. Uh, Tony Echevera. He was um, Tony Vera. He he was um, he was attacked. I think Tyson went into the bathroom or something and came out. And Tony went up to talk to him. Um, and Tony was like a passionate paparazzi. He loved celebrities. He loved the airport. He was one of those guys that was just it was in his blood. And and he really, you know, was was into it. Um, and then after that, I remember Mike Tyson came around, and all of us were a little intimidated. So we kept, we kept like this respectful, you know, 10, 20 foot circle, everybody's on their zoom lenses. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but other than that, I, I never saw him. Uh, I only saw him just that one time. And uh, all he did was uh, like eat a croissant from Starbucks and he just didn't talk to anybody, you know? So he just, you know, he would, uh, and I, I always liked when celebrities had food with them. I always thought that was kind of fun, you know? Yeah. Did he hit Tony? He hit Tony. Oh, he, yeah. When he came out, Tony asked him a question and he hit him two or three times. Um, it caused, you know, uh, permanent damage to Tony as far wow. as his hearing. And he still has ringing and stuff, um, you know, and, and so that became a big, a big event. Uh, and I think the two of them ended up in mediation and are now on good, um, you know, good circumstance uh, with, with each other. But yeah, there, it's definitely, you know, it's, it's always crazy because, um, you know, it's it, when they get away with stuff that you can't do, like nobody else can do, you know. Uh, yeah. So they, they really do have a, a lot of leeway. Um, but, you know, a lot more than, than that, it was. It was the heroes or the people like, you know, I, I had a camera knocked out of my hand by Dave Navarro's driver out of all people. So and, random. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, like these people don't understand because they're so excited about the celebrity that they forget that there's laws. You know, and so I called the police and said, I'm going to press charges against this guy. He assaulted me. And, you know, Navarro was like, oh, man, please. I just want to go home. Like, I need this driver. Like, you know, what do you want? You want I was like, he, he probably didn't even know the guy. He probably just hired someone for the day. And this guy is <laughs> trying to be the hero. And Dave's like, damn, I don't need a hero. I just want to get home. <laughs> yeah. alone. The guy's been on tour for like seven months, you know, and all of a sudden he's like negotiating with me and the police. And, and so, you know, you you kind of feel feel bad in, in a way, you know, because so many celebrities, you start to understand are property of the studios, property of of the managers. And, and you know, they work a lot. They travel so much. Um, I think people forget how hard they work, you know, um, but they really do give it, you know, they, they're out all the time. Well, yeah. and just being on all the time. Like, imagine yeah. just everywhere you go, people are watching you. They're judging you. They want to see what you're like. Every interaction is something memorable for that person for the rest of their life. And, like, that's a lot of pressure all the time for a lot of these celebs that people don't realize. Very true. It's true. And, you know, it, it, and, yeah, everybody thinks that they are the character that they fell in love with, you know, and, and then these celebrities are just – you know, at least at the airport, they were always just kind of regular folks, you know, like uh, my bag's lost or you know, like, I need to get a coffee or, you know, whatever. Not, nothing too extraordinary happens there. Um, just imagine imagine people always wanting to talk to you like that would get yeah. so old. I'm not even famous. And I've had people come into the like, talk to me while I'm at the urinal. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing right now? I, I'm glad you like something that I've been on, but this is weird. Like, this should be a no talk zone. Like, not a journal. <laughs> so overall, That's true. Who, who, who would you say was the nicest person? The nicest celebrity? Nicest celebrity. Um, I, I would have to. 
It'll either be uh, Jeff Bridges, who literally just is the dude. Uh, there was like no character needed. Like he just, you know, Jeff Bridges is one of the nicest people. Um, but he, he would be tied with Al Pacino for sure. Uh, as far as being the most, you know, um, unfazed by the concept of celebrity and just down to earth. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. I, I definitely think they, they, they were always my top two. Um, Who left you the most like starstruck? Wow. That's a good question. Um, uh, gosh, what? Oh man, I forgot the guy's name right now. Uh, well, you're still starstruck from him. That's amazing. <laughs> I have, yeah. I'm still a fangirl over here. Uh, he had all the reconstructive surgery on his face, nine and a half weeks, chihuahuas. Oh, are you talking about um, Hugh Grant? No, uh, no, no. The, uh, he was in the boxer uh, movie. Uh, uh, Mickey Rourke, no. Mickey Rourke, yeah, Mickey Rourke. Mickey yeah. Rourke. Mickey Rourke was one of the best guys in the world. He would show up early. He would uh, just sit with his chihuahuas and we'd just That's hang out. Right. With he him. didn't have all those dogs. I forgot about that. Yeah. He had so, so yeah, many he, damn dogs. Oh, uh, it was, it, yeah. He, and he was so adorable with them. He was just like the most doting, you know, dad. Um, and so we would just sit and hang out and, and play, you know, with the dogs. And just, it was a very like, you're hanging out with a friend, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and unfortunately, you know, um, sometimes, you know, uh, I, I was always dressed in like pajamas and sweatpants and stuff. So he used to have a lot of fun making fun of me uh, whenever he saw me. But <laughs> he was great, you know, because as being, you know, coming from a kid, uh, he was always in so many movies that I saw. Um, and then to, to meet him and just find that all he really cared about was his chihuahuas. Um, <laughs> it was was really it was really nice experience. Okay. Uh, so listen, I mean, we could talk paparazzi all day, every day, but that is not your job anymore. That is not that is something that you've done in the past. You haven't you're now doing documentaries. You're now you've now completely transitioned what you're filming. So how the hell did you go from being a paparazzi to a documentarian? You know, it, it was actually I, I have to say TMZ was a great experience. And after that, you know, I worked doing more more video uh, for companies at the airport. And it really taught me the art of interviewing on the fly, shooting in any lighting condition, shooting in any condition possible, and always getting your story, always getting your footage. So I wanted to divert my attention. You know, unfortunately, as I was doing my work, uh, I had been diagnosed with cancer, and it got worse and worse progressively. So, uh, you know, eventually I wanted to switch over and start doing stories that uh, I felt would help illustrate problems that we could maybe pay attention to and also work in uh, conservation. So at that point I started traveling and I went to the Amazon and um, you know, I, I shut down illegal um, fishing vessels in the South China Sea. Uh, we did anti-poaching campaigns around the world. And I started uh, doing video for the groups that I was doing these direct action campaigns with. So now uh, I just focus on documentary and it, you really do use the same skills, you know? Even if you want to find somebody that doesn't want to talk to you, as after being a paparazzi, I know how and when to make sure that you know that I can have an opportunity to at least ask them some questions, uh, even if they say no. Because one thing I did learn as a paparazzi is that sometimes if people don't talk, it's even more powerful than if they give you a statement. So, you know, for me, it's it's been a great transition. I love it because I love having a camera in my hand. I love being in the field, you know, I love the not knowing what's next. Um, and all those things made being a paparazzi like the the most fun job I've ever had in my life. I, it is like, I would say it's a million dollar experience I wouldn't give 10 cents to redo. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and it, you, you brought up your cancer diagnosis, which led to phosphate, correct? The, the uh, film yeah. that you did. So can you tell us a little bit about that? And I want to briefly touch on that, but I really want to get to the Harambe kind of documentary that you've got going. So tell me a little bit about phosphate and then we're going to transition over. Sounds good. Um, yeah, phosphate, you know, as I was traveling, I found out that a lot there was a rise in children's cancer uh, in this particular area in Florida called Bone Valley, um, which is in the very center of, of Florida. And it came it came from phosphate mining. So I went down there to go meet the residents and you know, I spent a few weeks just rolling around in their cars, doing water testing, doing uh, Geiger counter testing, and to try to find the story 
of why these people were getting sick. You know, I have an environmental cancer that they don't really know how to treat. So I'm still, I still have it. Um, it's, uh, it's untreatable. So it's only manageable. So, you know, my, my thing was to try to think, well, geez, if we can prevent these environmental cancers from happening, then it's our obligation to find out what the source is and try to stop it at the source. So I went down to Florida. Uh, it was a mind blowing experience to see the, this kind of um, air, water and land poisoning that these people are having to face and they don't have a voice. So, you know, I was really proud to give them a voice in phosphate. And as a result of the movie, you know, I'm really happy we've been able to get their story out. A lot of the local press will stop what their story is uh, and, and they don't really give them, mu you know, much credit. Uh, so I was really happy to get it out to an international audience and that a distribution company would take the chance on such um, a controversial story. Uh, but, you know, for me, it's all in the effort of, you know, I, I the cancer was wonderful. It actually became like a sharpening stone for my soul. And I realized I needed to do something that made me proud of, of who I was and what time I had left I wanted to use to contribute to a better tomorrow. So for me, you know, environmental topics and animal rights topics are very important. So, um, yeah, phosphate was, you know, was one that uh, it was really close to my heart and we were able to prove scientifically that there are issues and it's now leading to reform in the area. So I'm very proud to, uh, to see awesome. those kind of changes come out from just telling a true story. Well, I'm glad you have a, a silver lining out of, you know, your diagnosis and turning it into a positive for other people and good luck, obviously, with all of that. And then, you know, with Harambe, uh, you know, obviously, I think a lot of people know that name, the silverback gorilla mm -hmm. that was shot and killed after that kid fell into what was it Cincinnati Zoo enclosure and they they killed the the gorilla and that that, that sparked a lot of anger normally because uh, a lot of people felt like hey this is the parents fault that this kid fell in and now this gorilla gets shot and killed because a toy essentially like I mean the gorilla to the gorilla that probably looked like a little toy falling in there <laughs> uh, I mean I, I get both sides of this obviously being a parent if my child fell in a cage, I would be like, do whatever you have to do to get my child out. And then I see like the animal rights activists out there saying you had to find there should have been a better way. So tell us about this documentary that you're working on. You know, I, I'm glad you brought that up, Dax, because I think that that became the question that was framed in the press. But the real question should have been if the only way to stop an endangered animal encounter with a human that's unwanted is to kill the endangered animal, should they be on display yeah. to begin with? So I, you know, that, that's kind of a question that we are poking into. <clears throat> um, I'm very, I was very happy. I actually reunited with an old paparazzi friend, Jeremy Smalls, who became our director of photography. And now he's editing the project and uh, he's actually, you know, jumped in on a few new documentaries. So it's nice because I'm like, I know this guy. We've been in the field together. Uh, we didn't know what we were going to get when we shot uh, the Harambe documentary. So he was fantastic. You know, we, um, we we did a lot of stuff in the field that was could get a little dicey. And again, having another paparazzi, I knew he wasn't going to flinch. So it was fantastic to have that. Um, so the Harambe documentary, we got to go meet the guy who took the famous photo that became the famous meme. Mm, okay. photo, um, and this guy's uh, Jeff McCurry. So he, we went to go find out how the image changed his life, how the incident changed his life, and to try to dig in a little further to understand what we can learn from the Harambe incident, because it was a tragedy no matter what angle you look at it. Nobody won. The family, you know, they, they, they suffered a lot from what happened. There was a lot of backlash against them. Um, and what we wanted to do was go in and say, look, we, this is a tragedy. We're not here to point fingers, but what we want to do is learn what we can to see if there's a way to prevent losing another endangered animal. And, you know, how, how can zoos and how can other groups that are already out there benefit these animals in the wild? So we're trying to bring Harambe's memory and spirit, uh, which, you know, the word Harambe is a Swahili word, which means united. And to, and to unify and to come together. And it was actually, he was named from the Rita Marley song. <laughs> so uh, he has his, his roots in the concept of unity. So, you know, we really want to try to bring the two sides together, people that love zoos, people that don't like zoos and, and, and bring it to the table on, on a, 
a new form of discussion on how we can all move forward in a better way to, to save animals that are in captivity and in the wild. So we're, we're really excited about the movie. Um, it'll be coming out this year. So that, That's really interesting. And, and I, I think what's what really piques my interest is talking to someone that has taken a photo that has become so viral. But not only that, did you guys at all talk about how this guy's photo is so famous, yet I'm assuming he didn't get paid for a lot of the usage of this. When something becomes viral, it's like everyone starts to use it and no one's paying for it. So I got to imagine there's a frustration level there that you're like, how does everyone know my photo, but I don't have any money from it? <laughs> you know, that that's a great point. He never made a penny, you know, from the photo. He was a volunteer for the Cincinnati Zoo. And they said, can we use this, you know, this photo? Uh, and he's like, sure, go ahead. And so he never made any money, um, but he was very proud that, because he loved Harambe a lot. They had a very, uh, a good relationship. He would go there every day and he would sit there with him and, and take photos and video. Uh, so it's really cool because we have some unreleased video and, and photos of, of Harambe that the public's never seen. Um, but it's interesting because enter 2021 and we have an NFT sales for the first time and NFT is changing the entire landscape for artists and for digital photographers. So he actually was able to put his Harambe photo up for an NFT sale, mm. of which he gave 10% to the Harambe Foundation to fund anti-poaching programs in Africa. But um, we were there and we got it on camera and watched how somebody goes through this process of selling an NFT and this new world of, of NFTs. So. It was like a very poetic uh, justice. How much did he sell it for? I believe it sold for 85000 85000 yeah. And People just have like unlimited money. Like here, I'm going <laughs> to pay for something just virtual. It's so crazy. The whole it, NFT thing is wild. I still don't fully understand it myself. I mean, it's a little confusing, you know, and now there's so many NFT sales. And, you know, there's only one NFT meme agent. Uh and he happens to be this guy's agent. So um, this agent sold uh, Grumpy Cat was his first uh, client. Wow. Uh, and so from there, it's evolved. And now uh, the guy is is handling all viral memes and viral photos. Um, so it's it's a really interesting section of our of our world. And yeah, I mean, for think that somebody would spend eighty five thousand just to say that they have the rights uh, or they they own the original of, of the thing, you know, it, it's going to be interesting, um, you know, to, wow. to see how that evolves in time. Fun, so. fun fact, by the way, grumpy cat smelled like urine. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. I met the cat. Uh, I mean, obviously super cute cat, but it, it was, <laughs> it was like a dwarf cat and then it could like barely walk. But then, I remember holding it and taking pictures and like once they took the cat back, I was like, oh, my God, I smell like urine. Like, what is happening? And apparently, it was just like such a stinky cat. Anyway, that's all. Just now we know why he was grumpy. <laughs> so, Eric, where can people uh, keep in touch with you, kind of follow up with your work? Where can they see these projects? Uh, you know, uh, they, they can go to my website, uh, which is just my name, ericycrown.com. Um, and uh, also, you know, the um, – we have different uh, projects. So if you want to see Harambe, you can go to harambemovie.com. And we also have a Facebook group um, that, we, that we've got going. And we have a new project coming up, uh, Cancer Alley, where we're going to go paddleboard 100 miles of the Mississippi uh, as a fundraiser for children with cancer while investigating the, um, the environment in that area. So we got all kinds of projects coming up, you know. So, uh, yeah. And again, bringing back uh, my paparazzi good friend, uh, Jeremy. So he, you know, it's, it's nice uh, to have somebody, like I said, somebody else that knows what it's like when you're out in the field. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy's we'll a good guy. Make good sure work. you follow him. Paparazzi Safari. He's, he's a fun, good guy. It's good to Pop see. Safari. It's great. Yeah, dude. Uh, it's good to see a, a former paparazzi doing well. I'm, I'm proud of you, buddy. Keep doing up the good work. It's, uh, it's cool to see you doing some good things. I appreciate your time. I could talk, to, you know, I love hearing paparazzi stories. They're just so fun and funny and interesting. I don't know. This is, uh, I have so many of them. So when I talk to other guys, it's it's good to hear their experiences and share their experiences. So, dude, I really appreciate your time, man. Congratulations with everything. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. And it, thank you guys for having me here. It is, it's fun. There's, this is the first time I've really gotten to even tell these stories. You know, I don't tell, tell them to 
too many people outside of our world. So it was really <laughs> fun to get to laugh and, and kind of go over, you know, um, like she's be the wild west. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, bud. That was good. Yeah, that was fun, man. That was a lot of fun. I like I I haven't talked to him in oh god ages ages yeah. ages uh but it was fun to catch up i'm i'm very impressed just with how far he's been able to come with just you know a camera and now you're doing documentaries and you're doing big documentaries you know yeah no he's got big documentaries but again i love talking to guys who are in the thick of it when it yeah. was crazy times like you know guys like him are part of the reason why kim kardashian is so big guys like him are the part of the reason why Paris Hilton's so big. Like it was a different time. Uh, social media did exist. So he was part of the reason why some of these stars became huge stars and he had these insane experiences, you know, from kind of, I mean, I kind of feel bad for him because this was the time when a lot of celebrities were sort of attacking paparazzi. <laughs> I but know, I it was like every story was like, <laughs> and this one attacked me and this one attacked me or this one attacked someone I knew. <laughs> Yeah, that's part of the reason. Uh, oh yeah, Kanye West. Oh, he attacked me. Brad Garrett. Oh yeah, he attacked me. By <laughs> he attacked me. But he attacked my friend. It's like, geez, man. I oh, I never really had like you know. But it's funny. I think those people learn the hard way and financially that you can't really do that. Um, but it's uh, you know, it's it's wild. It's crazy. But it's I, I mean, again, from working Kanye West, you just never. It's like one of those things you go for Kanye West because you never know what he'll do. He either could be yeah. the nicest guy in the world and you know, show off something or break some news to you or give you some crazy interview, or he's going to attack you. So it's one of those things that, <laughs> well, hey, it's a home run. So, so it's uh, it's a lot of fun, but it's good to talk to Eric. And, and uh, we, thank you. And we haven't had a paparazzi on in a long time. That was fun. I, I don't, yeah. I, I feel like we've just, we've been booking so many people that we've like forgotten about getting the paparazzi on. That was a great yeah. interview and makes me want to have, Again, more paparazzi. And, you know, if, if you guys have any suggestion of people you want us to talk to or, you, you you know, a friend that's a paparazzi or, you know, like hit us up by all means. You know, we've obviously got our Facebook page that you can come to. We've got the private Facebook page where you can interact directly with Adam or myself. Um, and then you can just follow us on social media. DM us, tweet us, whatever. We are we are all over social media and we're watching, we're listening and we're reading comments. Yeah, we have. uh you know, if you like paparazzi content, if you want to see what's going on really in Hollywood and New York, even Miami, overseas, we have um, on our TikTok account, our Instagram account, on our YouTube page, um, we're on it all. But we have this great footage, probably the best footage out there that you could see of what's really going on in Hollywood. You know, make sure you follow the Hollywood Raw podcast on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're on it all. We got the private Facebook group where we can interact with you if you want to know some of the some of the inside dirt of what's going on in Hollywood, you could, you know, talk to us directly. Um, we got some really good scoops, some stuff that we, we could talk to you privately about for legal reasons that we can't, really, <laughs> uh, can't kind of say it on the podcast, but I'm telling you, my sources are pretty good. So is Dax's. We've been in this game for a while. Uh, you could find me at, at Adam Glenn, G L Y N. You can find Dax Holt at D A X H O L T Dax Holt. Uh, leave a review. It's the best thing you do to support this podcast. And um, we'll see you guys next time. A Huda Media Production.